Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. Hi, it's Deb in Halifax. Hi, it's Simone in Vancouver. Hey, it's Tanya in Edmonton. Our latest read is a holiday romance, All I Want for Christmas by Maggie Knox. When Sadie and Max are selected as contestants on the famed reality singing show Star Maker, each thinks they've finally gotten their big Nashville break. But then they're paired up for duet week and stun the world with their romantic onstage chemistry. Fans go wild for hashtag sexy and the network demands they remain a duo on and off stage or exit the competition. Faking a relationship until their final performance in the Star Maker holiday special shouldn't be too hard except for one small problem. Sadie and Max can't stand each other. But with their dreams just within reach, they agree to the ruse. Will their fake relationship be exposed before they can win, or will an unexpected trip to Banff spark real feelings by the Christmas finale? Okay, ladies, your thoughts on this Hallmarky story? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. I mean... I've never been to Nashville, and it's just sort of one of those places I've always wanted to go. And I, I just sort of loved loved the setting. I loved Sadie's story. I mean, she's she's 28 years old and, and thinking that she's almost done. You know, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, 28? <laughs> but I guess, you know, the music industry just, you know, churns you up and spits you out. And, uh, and so I just, I, I loved her story, and I also loved... Max and it, and it's interesting because you know we see it with celebrities and like I can't imagine like how difficult it would be to be the son or daughter of a superstar like you know and Max is tortured because of his dad and you learn a whole bunch of stuff about his dad later in the book but it's like you know do 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 offspring of of superstars ever really do anything sometimes I feel like it takes another generation um, so I feel for Max too because he's kind of in his dad's shadow and he just wants to do his whole thing so they're two stories and it comes together on this on Star Maker you know Sadie's like you know this is my final chance this is it and her grand is like cheering her on and Max is you know trying to like get out from his dad's shadow and and do something that really speaks true to him so I really loved sort of that coming together and then yeah there's you know it's sort of like American Idol that's what I thought it was and and I kind of loved all the stuff that all the inner workings of the show because I've never been on something like that so it was really interesting to kind of see how it all plays out what about you guys? Yeah, I mean, it It was all the makings of a cheesy holiday rom-com, <laughs> right? And it was perfect. And that's what uh, it's nice to kind of read this time of year. It's light and fluffy. And so are the movies. Like, you get drawn into those Hallmark movies. And sometimes you're like, what is this storyline? But but it's just, that's what <laughs> you want to After 22 see. movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's just what yeah. you want to see. It's just, you know, at the end, there's always just that that moment of the, the magic that's in the air this time of year. So I love that part of it. Um, it was great great to yeah follow along on Sadie's journey. I love the relationship she had with her grandmother and it just you know it makes you realize when your grandmother or mother you always put your kids and their dreams first and you keep things from mm-hmm. them because you don't want to hurt them or let them down. So that was you know an interesting part of the book. The other thing with this was um it was interesting because normally when you read these type of stories um there's so much of a build up before the couple actually gets together which is often in the last you know, third of the book. But here it happened quite quickly, only to kind of set the tone for the book, which was it was going to be a total 
on and off, on and off scenario, which I wasn't expecting because I was like, hey, if they're already together now, like what's going to happen with the rest of the book? So that definitely kept me on my toes as the book continued. But yeah, it was a great, a great read. Perfect for the holidays. Yeah, I I agree, too. You you want something easy because there's a lot of other things on your mind. So easy on the background or in this case, picking it up and, and, you know, diving into it to take you away for a moment is is always a good thing over the holidays, isn't it? Exactly. It's a great thing to just sit on the couch and dig in, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think we all... We all love to see things unfold with a a love-hate relationship, (laughs) you know, hoping, of course, for the best. But but the sparks, both the good and the bad, I I think, take you a long way. And and you're you're rooting for them in this soppy romance that that may or may not exist. Yeah, I just think that, you know, in terms of like the Hallmarky part of it, like I'm with you or like it, it kind of progressed to a point that Hallmark movies do not, right? Hallmark is like right at the very end, they finally kiss. Finally, yeah. you know, these yeah. guys, <laughs> they get together and like stuff happens. They're like, yay. Yeah. yeah. And then we you're like, more than one kiss under the mistletoe. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah. no, no, yay. What's happening? And then it was, you know, up yeah. until the end, there was a moment where, you know, kind of the last couple chapters were unfolding where I thought, maybe Sadie wasn't who she said she was like that was a part Mm -hmm. of me that felt that uh, even though I was rooting for them um, I just thought maybe maybe he is getting you know duped or something but no it all worked out and so it was it was nice yeah the miscommunication I mean miscommunication is is so common in so many relationships and even more so in those enemies to eventual lovers couples um, that that happen but what do you think about the months apart without connecting and what led them there their relationship actually kind of wrote like a country song didn't it it makes you think like how many couples that should be together are not together because of this kind of miscommunication, you know, not having the tools to actually uh, speak it out, wait it out, listen to each other. You're just walking away when there's a little bit of a tiff or an issue because you've got too much pride and you don't want to be the one who backs down, even though you want to be with someone like that was the part that kind of was heartbreaking because you know, they had all these other factors come into play when they were not communicating. And then they just chose to let it go on for so long. And I was like, that's a long time. And I just thought it made me kind of sad. And I was like, there are probably so many people that maybe should be together, but they can't because they're not willing to communicate, which is a big part of a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's one part where I think it's later on in the book where you know, Max reads a text, right? <laughs> and yep. we all know texts. Oh, my goodness. You cannot, you know, it's just you can't express really anything in a text. It can be like taken so many different ways. And so you can kind of see that spinning out of control. He thinks one thing, she thinks something else. I don't really know what's going on in that text. So there's a lot of that. And and yeah, they it seemed like when they came together, they were like magic. And then something would happen and then they don't like each other again or, you know, thinking that one person is a different person than what they thought. And then, yeah, that long stretch where where Max goes to Banff to to the cabin that he has such fun memories of his mom. And I just love that part of the story. And he takes off just to get out of Nashville. I totally get it. And, you know, she she's heartbroken over her grand. So even though 
you know, she hasn't talked to Max and she I was kind of upset that she didn't tell Max at the end of the show why she had to go. But it was just like, no, just tell him, just tell him. But, for you know, and then she 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 dove in and she went on tour. I think that was how she dealt with it. She's like, OK, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to go on tour. And then all of a sudden a year has gone by. And, you know, she finally travels to Banff to kind of go get him. And, um, yeah, miscommunication, it's everywhere. And it's like, uh, you know, my mom always used to say time and, and timing. Timing is everything as well. You know, I think a lot of couples aren't together just because of timing. But, yeah, yeah definitely like the he said, she said thing. Wow. <laughs> I, I felt like I was I was in it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling so much anxiety. I just want somebody to reach out and, and be that that point of returning and explaining everything that had happened, the, the why, the reasoning, so they can get back on track. But um, I guess not meant to be at that particular moment. Something that also popped up for me that gave me cause for <laughs> anxiety. Do either of you ever turn off your cell phone completely? Uh, not very often. <laughs> no, I have not. I don't mm. remember the last time I completely powered off my phone. Like you can think about times where you've set it to silent or just yes. you know turned off notifications um, because yeah. you're doing something else. But when there was that moment where it was like the phone was off and then he turned it on and then all these messages popped up or was it her phone? And I was like, what? Who actually turns their phone off these days? What if there's an emergency and somebody needs you? You're right because I don't, I don't know. I don't have a landline. I I doubt you guys do either. Like one time I actually, I was halfway home and I realized I had left my phone in the office and I'm like, do I turn back or do I just go go home? And I actually just went home. <laughs> but it was weird. Uh, yeah, It was weird not having a phone. Like it's just, you know, I thought, oh, well, I could just go online on my computer and go through Facebook Messenger. <laughs> but it was just sort of it was it was sort of weird, but sort of nice. No, it's true. Like we're just so used to having our phones and, you know, like that's just it. It's nice to disconnect. But I don't know if I could completely power down just for those moments where that would be the time somebody needs you is when you're like, I'm taking yeah. me time. And yeah, just, mm-hmm. yeah, honestly, that's real old school, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so was there um, a relationship with the other characters that, that you really enjoyed and wanted more of? You'd mentioned uh, Tanya Grant. Like, I absolutely loved her I, Grant and that relationship sh- that she had with her. She, she was a, I called her a spitfire. Like I loved, you know, the, the, the small portion of the book where you actually find out a little bit more about Gran and her life. You know how she, she did get married, but then, you know, a bunch of stuff happened. And, and I love, there's a quote in the book that, that, that Gran is said was, she couldn't think of any good reason to marry at all. <laughs> I thought, I thought, growing up at the time that her Gran was growing up, right? That just wouldn't really be normal. Yeah. So I yeah. really loved her Gran and I loved her I loved her belief in Sadie. You know, like Sadie's mom, Lynn, was uh like you guys mentioned, uh, you know, the parents always want the best for their kids and they want to support them to a point, you know, I'm sure if you say I want to be a singer in Nashville, hmm, might be low on the list. But and, and I like the fact that Lynn and, and Sadie did sort of reconcile and become and have a really close relationship at the end of the book. But but Gran was always there to supporting. And I think it's sort of like that grandparent versus parent relationship. You know, the grandparents or almost, you know, I think about my grandparents and, and what a beautiful relationship I had with them. But of course, they weren't my parents. 
that's a whole other thing. So I just love that relationship because I had that relationship with with my Nana and um, and I just love how she just supported her and 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 also kept some information from her. Uh, from Sadie so that Sadie would not get sidetracked and go home and not complete the competition. So I thought that was a a really interesting part, a lovely part, however heartbreaking that it was. (laughs) Yeah, I think, and that's it. The parents have the pressure, right? Like when you're raising children, you are responsible for them for so long and you're trying to be a realist and get them on the right path and if they've got these big dreams you want to support their dreams but you want to you're kind of encouraging them to go on a path where you're a realist where you're saying well if that dream doesn't come you need to have a backup whereas a grandparent like my mom said this to me like it's me and my brother and she said as much as I love you there is no greater feeling than having grandchildren. Like she is like, I love my grandchildren so much. And it's like, as a grandparent, you can just step in. You're not the parent. So you're there to spoil them and say, yes, you got this. Take your dreams because you you're not worrying about you know, yeah. them failing and having to pick up the pieces. You're just there as the big cheerleader. And that's what it was. The mom was trying to be real. And, you know, to a child, it's like, mom, it, it kind of feels like your parent doesn't believe in you. So her having that support was incredible. And so much so that her grandmother was willing to put aside everything she was going through to make sure her granddaughter was going to have that success or be able to chase her dreams. Yeah. And you, I guess as a grandparent, you, you look at things differently. You see things that you didn't see when you were so busy just being a parent. You, you missed a lot of things that you might have time for with, with the grandkids. Exactly. And what do you guys think about, um, you know, the, the storylines within Hollywood, right? Like, like how they had to do, you know, fake news. They had to create a lot of gossip. They had to create buzz, basically, because Starmaker wasn't doing that well in the ratings. So they needed to really kind of bump it up and, and make stuff up, like the fake relationship. And then they gave them, you know, the pet name of, of hashtag Saxy, which is very similar to, you know, names that we've been familiar with. Brangelina, Bennifer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that like... Is that a thing in Hollywood? Is that something? <laughs> I feel like it is. Yeah. Like you I know, do too. Yeah. You hear sometimes about celebrities um, going to do something and then calling the paparazzi on themselves. Um, I've heard that before. Like when it was, you know, maybe a Paris Hilton or somebody, and they're going to go, you know, to a restaurant or something. They often call because in Hollywood, uh, you're only relevant if you're in the tabloids, right? So mm-hmm. you, I think, when you're yeah, in good that, or bad, yeah. yeah. And so I think there probably have been so many storylines that have been manufactured that we don't know. We think they're real because, you know, someone gets spotted together. But if you're two struggling musicians, say, and they're like, hey, you know, go and have a a meal at a restaurant with this person, it's a meal. But to the paparazzi, it's like, wow, they're together. He's married to someone else or there's some kind of drama and we feed into it. And then we're Do like, we ever? right. And so it was like, even it, that was it, the Brangelina, like they were on the set of the movie together. And granted, they did end up becoming a couple, but you hear about these on-screen chemistry um Situations. I think there was one where Justin Timberlake had his arm around a, a co, you know, a co-star in a film, and they were spotted in in New Orleans. And then you know it was like, oh no, he's cheating on Jessica Biel. And it's like, really, he just had his arm around a friend like you could with anyone. Like you're with your yeah. coworkers or co-stars all day, and you're having a moment. And you give each other a hug, completely innocent, but it gets 
twisted and turned. So I think I think it happens more than we're aware of. And that's just how these people stay relevant in the headlines. And then we talk about them. Yeah. And, and I think we've been made to want it and want it even more. And we become obsessed with it. So then we, we don't think that it, it might be something else or nothing at all. Um, but I think also there are a lot of couples who aren't married um, to another star or somebody that's in the limelight. So they need a decoy. So let's go out with my colleague or somebody that mm-hmm. I've been working on this set. And then sometimes things do happen as they, they do in real life. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely it is happening, I think, quite a bit. And even in our own industry, I remember working with a couple of people a number of years ago, different company, um, and, uh, and, and they were told, a couple of these uh, folks, to not talk about their partners on air, talk as if you are still single. And when we do these public appearances, um, sorry, your partner can't attend because we're doing like some meet and greets and we're doing some things with with the listeners. So, yeah, there there were a few moments um, many years ago that that it was also part of of what we we do well yeah because when you're on a you know a show on the radio you're often you're it's your personality you're playing kind of a character um, so you obviously draw the best out of you but if you have a big fan following uh, and people think there could be a chance to get with their favorite radio host because they're single yeah. then I can see how um that could be a case. But, you know, I think old school radio was a little bit more like that. I think now yeah. it's a little bit more be genuine, be open, um, be right. your true self. Because, you know, back in the day, you put on your radio voice too, right? And now we just oh, all, yeah. we talk how we now talk. Now we just talk normally. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> everything isn't all amazing and great. And we can come to the table with our real stories and our real truth. And I think that's important. So, but in Hollywood, it is all about the theatrics and drama still. So, uh, you know, yeah. 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 And and talking about old kind of like, you know, old school radio or or Hollywood or whatever. What did you guys think of Cruz McNeil? I just thought like, what a slime ball. And I just like, you know, I'm going, oh, my gosh, like again and again, some guy with power, you know, tries to influence uh, an up and praying good word on an up and coming female. And, um, you know, I just I just wanted to reach into the book and Mm -hmm. hit him. And it's just like. You know, like when when are we ever going to get to a place where Cruz McNeil's and Harvey Weinstein's don't exist? Like, I want to believe that it'll happen. I, I guess, you know, I think 5%, I want to get it to 5%, that it happens 5% of the time or lower. Definitely not, yeah. you know, as high as it certainly is. Like, I just want to get to a place where we don't have people in power trying to influence and do horror, you know, nasty things yeah. to think, people who don't have that power. I think we're going to get there. Like the Me Too movement was a huge thing where before it was yeah. like not okay to speak about things because you were afraid to not have support. And now that we have so many people have bigger platforms like their social media and things like that where they mm-hmm. can share their stories. I think we are getting to that point where people will be less likely to say, I can't say this to anyone. No one will believe me. I need to make my career and hope. hopefully more people will feel empowered to be like, no, this is not okay. You know, know your worth, find yourself a support system and you will be, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully be able to find your success and and not have to go through a path that so many before us probably had to deal with. I think by writing Cruz's character into this story and, and the way it turned out, 
that people aren't going to stand for this. Once one person comes forward and explains what happened, then there's the support system you didn't think you had, but it actually does exist. I think it's important to, you know, to, to set set it straight and, and, and be part of this story that, that, that it's not going to continue. It yeah. was so disturbing because as much as I love the, the kissing and then the snow falling and the magic. And then there was the, there, the one thing I can't get out of my head is him eating that plate of catfish. And she said, he touched me with oh. his greasy oh, fingers yes. and his oily lips. And I was like, wow, uh, <laughs> oh. you're ruining it for me. It was so descriptive. <laughs> I was like, lazy oh. slime ball is oh. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if there's a movie about it, we'll we'll that that's where it will go to a commercial and we can um, you know go get another hot chocolate or a cider or something. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we obviously have like a lot more questions and a lot of stuff to discuss and who better than to talk to the author about how she put this book together and and what were the things that she was thinking about. So we're going to be talking to Marissa Stapley. Yes. And after our chat with Marissa, we'll chat with the other author, Karma Brown. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Hi, Marissa. It's Simone, Tanya and Deb calling from The Breeze Book Club. Hello, how are you? I am good. Lovely to chat with you today. Thanks for um, giving us some of your time. Oh, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> Hi, Marissa. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. We are we are so excited to be chatting with you again. And of course, we love our holiday romance. And you've got another winner here with All I Want for Christmas. Thank you for writing this. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for reading it. It's it's a delight to be chatting with you again, and it's such a fun time of the year, and it's made even more fun when, when, when there's a fun book like this out. Um, Definitely. So where did, where did the story come from? Was there a love of music, romance, and behind the scenes that you needed to dig into? <laughs> so Carmen and I came up with this idea um, while we were in the process of writing The Holiday Swap, and, and we were selling it to our publisher, and, and they were interested in a second book from us. Um, and we're, we really are, you know, we had a lot of fun going back and forth about uh, how, how we would set up the holiday swap. And um, this one was just as much fun. So I think we both thought, you know, let's do a reality show um, setting again because it's fun to sort of have a theme when, when you're writing uh, rom-coms. And then we, we do both really enjoy music and both really love the show Nashville. <laughs> So we thought that would be fun. We were talking about how on Nashville, the writing of songs is portrayed as so romantic, but also very simple. Like, how hard could it be to write a song? Um, and so that's sort of where it began. And then we just went back and forth um, by, by email, by text, on the phone, um, because I believe we were uh, in lockdown at the time. And um, it just went from there. And of course, with these books, you just also have to sprinkle in as much holiday cheer as you can. And that's a very delightful thing to do. Well, and you do it so well. We were talking about how there's a lot of comfort in a holiday romance. Uh, there are so many emotions that you want to check into and be part of. We expect and we hope for. So I, I guess this is part of the reason why you, you both like these types of stories yourselves. Yes, we both do. So we, we are we're big fans of of the pleasure of sitting down in the hol- during the holidays while we're wrapping presents and watching a holiday romance. 
And then uh, during our reading time, we both read quite a, a wide range of, of genres. And I think kind of funnily, Karma loves reading horror, like gothic horror, which I don't at all, but she also <laughs> just loves, loves reading holiday rom-coms. And I read almost anything, probably except gothic horror, <laughs> and then um, kind of save those, those, you know, really delicious, holiday romances which are it's kind of a perfect thing because sometimes during the holidays you've got like 10 different things you're trying to do or you're visiting family and you want something that you can pick up and put down and I'm I don't you know malign the genre I think that something that you can pick up and put down doesn't have to be light and mindless but something that can stick with you so you remember what's happening the plot is enough that you're really into it and you want to go back to it um but it also just makes you feel good so you're not walking around at you know family Christmas going man I'm really like, upset by what I read today you know it's nice to have yeah. um, a, a happy book so that's what we were after and it's something we both love to read during the holidays. Hey, Marissa, this is Tanya. I am in Edmonton. Um, love the book. And of course, it's around Christmas time. And it's very Christmassy here now with all of the snow and all that. Love the characters. I'm just wondering, like you said, obviously, you were you were thinking about uh, the series Nashville, which I watched as well, because I loved it. Um, but w- <laughs> when you developed all the characters, was it, you know, were they based on anyone who was close to you? Or, or maybe characters, people that uh, that your readers might know? You know, I think these characters are, are very, very much fictional. I think we create these worlds, but we always, I think for me in particular, I found myself, I was in this place where I was working on two novels, had a lot going on. My last novel I wrote um, called Lucky was a Reese's Book Club pick, and, and it was a huge thing. So I was really kind of totally out of the media world, did not know what was happening kind of woke up one day and was like, what do you mean Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are back together? Like, I didn't know. So <laughs> I came back. Jennifer. Jennifer, <laughs> like, come on. Like, is it 1990, whatever it is again? So I I thought about that a, a lot because I became obsessed with thinking, well, what if it's just a PR stunt? And, you know, maybe, maybe. So I think I was, I was considering that a lot, but also considering the idea of actually being in love with someone and, and every single thing you do or say being analyzed um, was something that inspired me. And then the character, uh, Elsie, we, we kind of, Carmen and I have a really, you know, we have grandmothers in our past who are both, um, we don't, they've passed and um, really important to us in our lives. So, so this is the second novel where we've had that sort of elder character um, in the holiday swap it was Faye who is just so important and I think that, that those characters are an amalgamation of our own grandmothers who were so important to us so um, we like to put that in but otherwise the whole thing I mean the whole thing really is made up but those that, those are the little kernels from from um, yeah and and you know we were we were talking about it um, we were talking about the other characters in the book and Gran Elsie was was one that we all kind of related to because we were saying, you know, the difference between uh, a parent and what they want for their children is is different uh, than what a grandparent wants. And often grandparents uh, are just so, you know, more supportive of your dreams and like, go, go, go. And, and I just I just loved Gran because I could totally relate to my Nana, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. I think we can. I know. And it's it's interesting to, I know my, my, I was so close with my grandmother and my mom and my grandmother were close in a different way. 
and it was so different. Like the 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 relationship was so effortless, and um, it's interesting because I have a daughter, and I want it to be that effortless, but it's impossible. I think you know, it just you gotta hope for grandchildren who you can kind of not make any of the same mistakes with. I guess I don't. I think that's mm-hmm. important. <laughs> So many great characters in this book. Obviously, the one we did not like was Cruz, um, <laughs> and the we talked about the um, you know gr- slimy, greasy fingers and the oily lips. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, no, but that was uh, dramatic. The oily lips. I, think I wrote that, and Karma was like, "That is so gross." And I was like, "I know, but I mean, like, it's supposed to be gross." Well, that's just it. So each of you take turns writing. Um, what is the response like from? you know, the other person when they read kind of your chapter or about your character? What are some other things that you both kind of discussed? Yeah, so, and I, we, we said we wouldn't say who did which character. I may have given a big spoiler there, but um, <laughs> I think this one, so with the holiday swap, we didn't each take a character. We we alternated chapters and we thought we should each get to know the twins equally. And um, that really worked. But then for this one, for a few reasons, we were writing on different timelines. We couldn't really swap chapters, so we each took a character. And it was funny because there were times, because these characters are at odds, where one of us would be like, yeah, well, you know, my character would not do that (laughs) or say that or (laughs) And we, we were we were quite protective, um, so we would just have to have big discussions and be like, okay, you know, so you know, like there was there would Max uh, have a driver? Or would he, you know, we we needed to make sure there were certain things like how uncomfortable Max was with with his fame needed to be worked in, and and um, Sadie's. Um, you know, Sadie's sensitivity, but not making her seem sort of irrationally sensitive needed to be there. And, and uh, it was definitely a negotiation process between us. Yeah, that's really neat. And what would you say, Marissa, was your favorite moment uh, in the book? Oh, boy, I like the moment when they, hmm, I don't want to give anything away. Um let me think. I think I really enjoyed, there was a certain on-stage moment um, I really liked. And I also did enjoy writing uh, about songwriting itself, partly because I'm an expert, having watched Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? A song if I really want to. <laughs> so I, I thought that was, that was fun for me to just, you know, be able to do that, that and make it just as, as, as fun and interesting as, as it is in the show. And I'm sure in reality, watching someone write a song wouldn't be quite um, as exciting, but who knows? I've never done it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you can add that to your list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I loved how actually Sadie and Max, they, they wrote, you know, the, the finale um, in two different spaces. Um, Mm -hmm. But yet when they came together, to sing it, it all kind of blended together as if they were in the same room writing it. Yeah, that was, it's very romantic, right? And that it's, mm-hmm. it's really fun to be able to have that kind of romantic and also to, to really bring home the, the point that even if they didn't always get along, they connected on a, on a soul level. We've come to now get these magical holiday books from you every year. Is there something else in the works uh, from Maggie Knox for next so year? Next, 
so Carm and I are both so busy with our other projects. Um, so we we did put Maggie Knox on a bit of a hiatus. However, I then partnered up with Uzma Jala Ludin to write a multi-faith rom-com. I just simply could not resist. It's like multi-faith love, actually. And it's oh. set when uh, <gasps> Christmas, Hanukkah, and Ramadan all fall at the same time. Uzma is so great. She's written... Um, Hana Khan carries on and Aisha at last and she does sort of Muslim rom-coms that are Jane Eyre or sorry Jane Austen reimaginings and um, we have we so we have one coming it's coming out same time um, as the Maggie Knox books next year and it's it's magic. So. I love that the inclusivity <laughs> yes. that's so nice because yes. there are so many holidays this time of year. Mm-hmm. Yes yes and they so this year uh, Easter Passover and Ramadan fell at the same time, I believe, which is what everyone, I think many people, you may have noticed that. So, And then every certain number of years that happens with Christmas, Hanukkah, and, and Eid. And it just, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, who, who, why hasn't anyone ever thought about doing a rom-com? Yeah, <laughs> this so is so, so exciting. <laughs> yes, it was so fun. So, yes. Well, thank Yay. you for giving us that little uh, piece of information. <laughs> Gets us excited to hound the publicist for some books next year. <laughs> yeah, so the same publisher. So same oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask, I mean, your writing, uh, the both of you, is just, you can really kind of dive into your books and really feel like you were there. And that was like, you know, Banff is such a, a favorite place of mine. I, I Have you been to Banff? Yes, I have. I, I, yeah. believe, I don't know if Karma has. I'm guessing probably yes, but absolutely yeah. yeah. And, we, and it was important to us to have a Canadian component to to especially if we were going to have a snowy mountainous setting. We thought, okay, if we're going yeah. from somewhere else, we'll make it we'll make it Banff. And um, yes, absolutely. Well, I for sure I I wanted to be in that cabin at Fox's Corners and playing Ramoli. Oh. Like I just. <laughs> Just, I wanted to be on that couch and I just, you know, the snow falling because everybody wants the romantic, you know, you're sitting inside with your guy and the snow is falling and you just captured that like so perfectly. It was awesome. (laughs) And then realizing, Tanya, realizing, oops, there's nothing under my robe or my clothes just fell off. (laughs) Oh, oops. (laughs) Ramoli, who needs that? Right. <laughs> oh, is that what we're calling? <laughs> this did happen with these characters a few times because holiday swap was quite wasn't very spicy, but it was quite chaste and, and it only took place over a week, so we kinda thought, you know, maybe just a lot of kissing, but these people like they'd be alone in a cabin or a hotel room and I was like, Well, obviously yeah. like, And then suddenly, yeah. yeah, it was like, Hey, it's like we've been fighting this whole time, but why don't take yeah. advantage of this moment? Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. Yes, it was. Oh, Bye. I was just going to ask about the the oh, yeah. movie um, side of it. Um, is the holiday swap is is that still oh. is it on this season or no? I mean, we have it has some development happening where oh, okay. there was um, some some uh, like a I can't say, but an actress and a, a writer who were working on yeah. it, but nothing has these things are so complicated, so nothing has happened yet. And then I, you know, with all I want for Christmas, I think our film and TV agent is currently working on it so hoping because I think really we envision these as holiday movies and and we think that they could really work so yeah hoping but no official news yet well maybe 2023 will be an incredible holiday season for all of us with with two movies for you 
And then another book for us. This is this is amazing. Right. That would be perfect. Yeah. Here's hoping we'll make a Christmas wish. Thank you so much, Marissa. All three of us thoroughly enjoyed this book. And as always, lovely chatting with you. Same to you. Happy holidays. Take care. Happy Happy holidays. Simone, back with you now to chat with the other half of Maggie Knox. Hello to Karma Brown. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Lovely to be chatting with you again, I guess a year later after the holiday swap. (laughs) I know, how has it been a whole year? But yes, here we are. I know. And uh, we, of course, had a lovely chat with Marissa earlier. The book club thoroughly enjoyed this holiday novel. Such a perfect holiday feel-good rom-com. Where would you say the idea for this novel came from? You know, we go back and forth on this all the time. And Marissa and I sort of can't remember exactly. But when we were coming up with the idea for the holiday swap, we knew we wanted to have another idea ready because often a publisher will want to buy two books, right? So we knew we wanted to have something ready to go and we liked the idea of doing another reality show. And so we had this sort of, we both love Nashville and we had this idea of, oh, maybe we could do a Nashville reality singing competition with an oil and water you know, singing duo who are sort of forced together but really hate each other, but they make magic when they sing together. So we just we had a paragraph, and I think we sent that along when we sent all of our, you know, the manuscript for the holiday swap. And, yeah, they, they were like, this sounds great, and then we wrote it. So that's how it started. It was just a few lines, really, in the beginning. Now, we know in the holiday swap, there were the two characters, Cass and Charlie, and each of you kind of wrote different chapters and put it all together. Now, with this one, you wrote for different characters, obviously not saying which character you wrote for. But what was kind of, is is there a lot of authors that do this style of writing? I have no idea. I mean, I think sometimes the, the way your process is kept a little secret. You know, there's a bit of a magic sometimes in in what happens, although truthfully, it's probably a little bit messy to share, and that's why maybe authors don't share exactly how they do this. I know there are other writing duos, but honestly, I think people just do it differently. I mean, we did it differently with each book, because this time we each took a character and a storyline, whereas before we were both in Cass and Charlie's lives and working you know, within what was happening in their storylines, uh, both of us having having part of that. But this time we just couldn't swing it because our schedules were conflicting and we just couldn't go back and forth on chapters the way we had. So, I mean, I, I'd be curious also to know how other people do it. But um, we don't know a lot of other writing duos, so we have not had the chance to maybe take a poll. Maybe I should do a Twitter poll. There you go, because obviously this, for, yeah, this formula seems to be working for you both. What would you say was your favorite moment in the book? There's a scene with the two of them, with, with Sadie and Max tobogganing, and when they're in dance. Because, of course, we had to send them to snowy Canada yes. as part of our Christmas romance. And there's just this very sweet scene where they're having fun together, uh, despite the fact that they really have not enjoyed each other's company up to this point. And that was a really fun scene to do. And just to see the lightheartedness that, that could exist between them, because there is a lot of strife and argument and miscommunication, obviously, through the book. Um, it is a an enemies to lovers sort of story. So that was probably when they were in Banff. I think those were some of my favorite times for for these two. 
Yeah, that was a special time. And even the the gift of the snowshoes, I thought that was really special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had fun. We had fun being able to to bring them to Canada. (laughs) Marissa had said it was one of the stage moments that was her favorite, but she didn't want to completely give it away. Uh, The stage time, of course, (laughs) was was amazing between both of them as well. And all of us really disliked the one scene we can't forget about with um, Cruz McNeil and the uh, catfish dinner. And he had, you know, greasy fingers and oily lips. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. Just so gross. (laughs) Where did the idea, you know, not knowing who wrote for obviously Max, but where was the idea that came for for like him having the hobby of knitting? Because that's very unique and rare when it comes to kind of like a Hallmark or rom-com character. They always have kind of something they like, but that was, that was interesting. Well, I actually think it came out of, we had a number of editorial meetings when we were going through this because we wrote sort of half the book first and then our editors had a look and we had to shift some things around. So it was a a partnership with them as we were writing through this. But I do remember there was one conversation where we were talking about his character and because he has this really sort of rugged, um, abrasive kind of character that there had to be something to soften him up. He has this rescue pup, and he's got this really sweet side, and you don't necessarily get to see it all the time when he's interacting with Sadie. So we just, I think it was it was my idea, and then one of the editor's idea, we just sort of had this moment of like, maybe he should be a knitter, like maybe we should make him crafty like that, which felt soft, you know, it softened him up a little bit. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's a fun character detail because like you said it's not super common right so yeah and even him taking the sweaters to the the animal shelter like that was really sweet too (laughs) yes well max has got a big heart he really does i you know he maybe gets a bit of a bad rap because he doesn't always know how to express himself but he does have a big heart now what was interesting is marissa shared that you karma of course love you love horror books and you love romance so (laughs) would there ever be a world where that could come into some kind of a a novel you know i don't know maybe (laughs) maybe i can somehow blend those two things together yeah i mean i love love reading horror that's probably my number one genre and um have always thought of perhaps trying to write something really scary one day but I don't know, maybe I can do a mashup. Right. Yeah. Uh, what are some um, upcoming projects that uh, you've got on the go that we could possibly look out for? I have my next standalone novel, which is called What Wild Women Do, and it's coming out next November, uh, November 2023. And it's a dual timeline story like my book, Recipe for a Perfect Wife. So this one takes place in 1975 and 20. 2019, I think. I had to play with the timeline because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So 2021. <laughs> um, and it is about two women who are living, you know, these decades apart. And uh, there is a mystery. There is something that is found deep in the Adirondacks where these both these women are sort of living out their lives at different times. And this mystery and this very sort of gruesome find links them together so it's it's a little darker definitely not a romance uh but very similar to the other type of books that i have written and very similar to 
Recipe for a Perfect Wife. So if anyone enjoys that book, then they will most likely enjoy this one. It's quite feminist, and, um, you know, that's my other love, to write strong women going through difficult times. So that is a project that I have on the go. Nice. Looking forward to um, that one as well. And again, Karma, what are your plans for the holidays? Like, I know we like to curl up with a good book, and this is uh, the perfect read going into the holidays. What are some things that you kind of spend your time doing over the holiday season? I will absolutely be reading and trying to get caught up on my very giant to-be-read pile that I have. Probably also a few Christmas books will be in there, Christmas romance. Definitely a few Hallmark movies while I'm wrapping presents. Um, but it will mostly be just, you know, trying to relax with family. And it's been so long since we've been able to gather together. So I'm looking forward to being able to do that this holiday and, and read. I want to read while the snow falls. Yeah. Are there any books that you could recommend outside of uh, All I Want for Christmas? Are there any other holiday reads you suggest? Yeah, I have um, a friend of mine. Her name is Amy E. Reichert. And she wrote a holiday rom-com called Once Upon a December. And it has, it's sort of this one-of-a-kind Christmas market. It has holiday magic and this romance and, and this magical bakery. And so if you like food, Amy is definitely the person to read. So it's called Once Upon a December, and it's fantastic. So I would highly recommend that one. Okay, we will look that one up. Thank you so much, Karma, for your time today. And uh, again, we love the book. And uh, as always, happy to have you um, join our podcast and looking forward to some of your other books uh, next year. That's great. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk with you. Okay, take care and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you too. Bye. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.